The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. Hey all, thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the podcast. We've got so much to discuss. I almost don't know where to begin. So I'll yeah, just okay. tell you about the car debates that we've got right up front. I'll just dive right in mm-hmm. and tell you about Brad. Brad up in Montana. I don't think we've ever covered somebody in Montana. And I know that we've never covered company cars, like the corporate cars, either where they hand them to you or they give you a monthly stipend. Interestingly, yeah. this is a yeah, thing yeah. in Europe. It's it's more accepted and more widely, I guess, utilized as uh, mm-hmm. as a thing in Europe than it is in the U.S. And it does happen in uh, uh, in the U.S., but uh, definitely with pharmaceutical reps, you know that that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I feel like when it happens in the U.S., it happens because here's your option of two or three company cars. It's not here's right. your amount. Go have fun. I, I feel like that's less common here than the here's your company car. We provided one of these two bland options. But <laughs> right. anyway, keep going. Right. Well, that's the case with Brad. He's got a stipend, a, a monthly fixed cost that they his company will just give to him. So that mm-hmm. really opens mm-hmm. things up. I mean, that's kind of play money right there a little bit. So yeah. I, I think that'll open things up. And then we've got also here Shane. He is up in New England. And he is really all over the map. Shane, thank you so much for writing. Shane actually wrote us, and then he wrote back. He was thinking about this so much. Another <laughs> yes, story, and you broke the rule, Shane, the two-scroll rule, but that's all right. I, I hear your passion. I hear your voice. You're genuinely asking for help here, and it's his story is so interesting. You're all going to be really interested in hearing his story about – you know, what he's looking for, how much money he can save per year, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Ah, all this all this stuff. But I'll save it until we get there. It's really, really quite intriguing, but uh, but we'll get to that. Yeah, in the meantime, we should talk about, well, there's a couple things. Of course, the Detroit Auto Show has just finished. I don't know if there's anything else there that really struck you. We've already talked about the Kia Stinger, which for me was the major thing to discuss. Yeah. And then yeah. Chance and a couple others sent us some uh, some Porsche car testing pictures that we're mulling over. I hate. I mean, that'll, that's a step better than than a concept car, I guess. But it looks like Porsche, who, let's be honest, while doing their large vehicles, the Cayenne and the Panamera, this is a brand that, for all the love we give them, has struggled with good styling on their large vehicles. And now it seems like they're being influenced by the BMW X4, X6 of the world to make an SUV that's not an SUV that looks like a coupe. That what is this thing? Yeah, I am, uh, you know, I, I try to avoid just recommending Porsches across the board for everyone. I really do. No, you don't. I, I, well, okay. But, uh, I mean, there's you, other cars that I do love. To, there, there really are. To your credit, you do try. You end up coming back there, <laughs> but you do try. I will I will admit that you try. Keep going. All right. Well, I, I look at this, and I think the best-selling models from Porsche are the Cayenne and the Panamera. Yes. Those cars subsidize oh, the, Macan, yes. the car that we love and the Macan. I mean, all the other cars that are typically mm-hmm. non-Porsches subsidize yep. the yep. existence of the car we do love, which is the 911. And I say we, and that's the royal we, the collective we. We all love 911s. Well, There's a few to put it another way, like, the, the non-sports cars are the reason the sports cars – I mean, we're going to include Boxster and, and Cayman, of course. The non-sports cars are the reasons the sports cars are allowed to exist and grow and be awesome is because they sell things other than pure sports cars. Yes, yes. And I think, okay, they have really opened up their market segments – by introducing yes. new models, and we've all warmed to the Panamera, and it looks better now, and we've warmed to the Cayenne. <laughs> when the Cayenne first came out, it was just sacrilege, and this will never fly, and it turns out they can't build them fast enough. And then yeah. I think, all right, does Porsche need to expand their lineup? They came, a, they came with the e-tron a couple years ago at the Frankfurt Motor Show. It was the all-electric sedan which I warmed to. I thought, okay, what what have we here? Yeah. What's what new interesting thing is this? But then you look at it as more of the electrified Panamera, so the four door. Okay, yeah. I, I could yeah. I could be down with that. Of course, supercars, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then we have this car, which is very unrecognizable. The the styling is, but I'm wondering, okay, does Porsche need to expand their product offering as a business? Mm-hmm. I know they're owned I agree by with VW. You. Yeah. 
but what are we doing here, guys? I mean, the Macan is the latest. We like it. It's successful. I want one. Yeah. What's this new guy? And, you know, obviously I mean, the mules I, don't I feel give everything like, away, so don't. Of course not. Of course not. Worry, yeah, I mean, but, we're. we're it's it's that weird it's like a picture of the Loch Ness monster. It's like what is this really really going on? You know, it's it's like what we haven't really seen the real thing yet and we're all surmising about it. I I feel like from a from a brand or a new niche perspective, it makes much more sense for them to do a smaller Panamera like a 3 series competitor or embrace the the middle ground of GTs and make sorry it's the last last it's the best way to put it make a new 928 take the Panamera architecture and go new GT car with some you know two plus two back seats or go three series size I I don't know that we need the sports activity vehicle which I realize BMW has got trademark somewhere but that's what we're talking <laughs> about it's a coupe shape on an SUV running gear uh, uh, I no stop I mean. Part of me thinks, okay, the business model for the 928 has been tried. They did sell a lot of cars, 60,000 of them in its in its run, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and yeah. I think, okay, that's sort of looking backwards in terms of product offerings, but it's the one I would prefer. I think it's the one enthusiasts would prefer. But then the buying sure, public yeah. can't scoop up these mid-size, smaller-ish sports activity vehicles, the compact utility vehicles segment, they cannot buy them fast enough. You're right. You're right. And I mean, so that is the place I'm, that everybody's shopping. I'm trying to rectify these two. I love the idea of a 929. I'm in love with that idea. Mm -hmm. The front engine, turbocharged, The oh my gosh, and the next coming of the 928, stick a fork in me. But then yeah, I think, I know. I know. who would buy that? And are people buying those cars now? The public wants these but, CUVs, these yeah. smallish, fits your bike, fits your family, fits your life. It's not a special thing. Doesn't fit thing. anybody in the back seat because the roof is too raked, but hey, it looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, they're probably not wrong. The Macan and the Cayenne are just selling boatloads of these cars. As a matter of fact, there's even more articles about how many cars Porsche sold in 2016. They're blowing it out of the water. Yeah, the 911 yeah, I, is. Yeah, I'll be very curious to see what this really is. You know, it's not part of that equation. It's, it's what we love. It's what everybody aspires to. But but see, I'm a guy that I don't have a problem with the Panamera, the Macan, or the Cayenne. I'm a big fan of all of those, genuinely, and I'm glad they exist. I don't know that there, it's necessary for Porsche to create an extra niche car. Mm -hmm. That's what I don't understand. And mm -hmm. I and I think the genius of the Panamera, the Cayenne, and the Macan is that. Um, is that you actually can get four real adults in those cars. Yeah, The, the space in them is better than you think. You do this raked shape, and the people in the back can't be over about 5'6". It's just it doesn't work well. Yeah, so, CX4. I mean, <laughs> See the X4 for examples. Yeah, the X4. I mean, the X6, honestly, the last time I was in an X6, I was genuinely surprised at the headroom, but genuinely surprised because I got in expecting to have to have my neck on my shoulder. You know, I mean, sure. you know, my head leaned over with my ear against my shoulder is what I was expecting to do. When I got in the back, I was like, I can almost sit up straight. So it was a revelation. Right. But that's not that's not good news. You know, <laughs> I mean, if, if you're going to buy if you're going to buy something that's supposed to have any kind of utility, then the back seats have got to be large. Otherwise, make a sports car. I, I, I don't get it. I know it's the segment. I'm just I'm going to be here hanging on defiantly because it bugs me, I guess. I don't know. Here it is. 2016, they sold 237, almost 240,000 vehicles. So they improved by 6%. I, I mean, they're selling cars. And yeah, yeah. the oh, Macan yeah, yeah. is selling. They've got new markets to consider. Of course, China. That saw the biggest improvement I'm reading here. Man. And so it's got to fit well, people's lives. But... Hmm. And I will say this: I have heard, I have heard that one of the, the benefits of that kind of X6, X4 segment, and maybe this car as well, is places in the world where the roads aren't very good. So sports car running gear is only just going to get beat on. But sports car look is something people want, and this is the compromise. Yeah. So you have something where the roads are terrible. So you, hey, I've got an SUV, kind of. But I really like sports cars, and I got that too. And that's a thing where these kind of get traction, pardon the pun, in those areas. And that's what's made them, made them successful in some of those markets. I've heard that. I, I don't know that that's the case here. I just, 
I don't know. It seems like a weird niche, I feel like. And I'll probably like it. That's what I hate about myself. I'll probably just like it. It'll come out, and I'll just like it instantly. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Foregone conclusion, you. Should we do a, should we do a, a car debate so that we can, can wrench ourselves out of the pool of Porsche? Uh, let's let's talk right. about Brad in uh, let's talk about Brad in Montana. He's uh, he's been following the show for a while. Thank you. And he has he drives about twenty thousand miles a year, most of it for work, so he gets a stipend from work of a little over three hundred dollars a month, which is great, and also gets a mileage stipend of about fifteen cents a mile. So I mean there's a, a big chunk going toward your car payment, and the only requirement is that the car can't be more than seven years old and can't have a minimum SRP of less than $19,000. So that means that it's got to be a halfway decent car. We're not shopping for something that you know is some old jalopy or we got to keep the cost down. What you don't say is you don't say if you're wanting to put in some more than that 315 a month, toward this car. I'm kind of assuming you're willing to, but you haven't been clear on that. Uh, but this is where we are. We've got a stipend from the company. The last time you had a Honda Civic that you hated, so you're looking for something genuinely fun. Yeah, I'm I'm liking this because it's so rare. Yeah, as you said, lots of times the car, company car choices are Ford Edge, Volkswagen Passat, you know, hope you like either <laughs> yeah. of those in black. And uh... here's here's your Ultima, which yeah, I mean, it's just they're, they're but they're but they're fleet cars. They're cars that make sense to right. put into fleets and just buy cheap, buy in bulk. It's that whole world. Yeah, keep going. Well, it sounds like Brad that your company will give you three hundred and fifteen dollars a month. But if you want to get a little bit more expensive car, you would obviously have to cover the difference. But at least you're getting three fifteen a month plus the fifteen cents, as Todd mentioned. Brad drives an average of 20,000 miles a year, so that's up there. That's getting up there, and it, is, yeah, good. it could be new. It could be used, as you also said, not more than seven years old, and uh, the great thing is that Brad has always wanted a modern muscle car, but scared away by that impracticality thing, rear-wheel mm-hmm. drive in northwestern Montana winters, and he also tells us he's an avid outdoorsman, and Camaros don't do so well with <laughs> slinging mud and carrying dead animals anywhere on the car. Although, maybe a roof rack. What about, like, but, you know, a dead moose I, on I a love, roof rack? I love that sentence. I love that sentence. No, no, a dead moose on a roof rack is what happens when you hit a moose at speed. That's oh, what happens. In a Camaro. Otherwise, you don't want to do that. Otherwise, <laughs> you don't want to do that to your sports car. But but I did. I love that sentence. Camaros don't sling mud and carry dead animals. But what's nice is that he even admits that he's kind of gotten over the, his concern for rear-wheel drive. I mean, modern tires can certainly get you around that. And he has a GMC Sierra pickup that's not going away. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you need to sling mud and carry dead animals, you have that vehicle. Right. But right. I don't get the impression. It's not like your job is to be a hunter. Okay? If your job was to be a hunter and drive through mud and carry dead animals, you know what? Let's get you a new pickup. But that clearly <laughs> is the thing you do every now and then. And you're looking for a fun car to drive and you're willing to do rear-wheel drive. I think this is an exciting opportunity to get you into something like that. Since you're really looking at it seriously and the truck still exists. That's what I love. Yeah, I'm thinking about the other thing. You know how my dad lives up in Alaska, and there it's one of the three. It's, you know, Ford, Ram, Chevy. Pick one of the three. Mm -hmm. You don't really drive an X5 around. There is a BMW Mm -hmm. dealer in Anchorage. But I wonder if Montana is sort of along those lines. If you get something German or European or something that's a little bit out of the norm, is that going to fit into your life? I'm asking because, Brad, I genuinely don't know. I'm I'm just kind of thinking, is it more we got to kind of stick with Chevy? You're a Chevy guy. That's what you're indicating here. And you've looked at the Chargers and the Mustangs. I'm just, I've got commute on the brain and I've also got reliability and mm-hmm. not, not, uh, not appliance thinking but something that needs to run. I don't want to just try to get you into some sort of a little bit out of your comfort zone as far as as an exotic goes that eh, wouldn't look too good. And then, you know, when you pull up with clients or, you know, perception there, those are things to consider. It really is. And so I've kind of been around and around. And I'm I'm a little bit all over the map here with some different choices, but I was thinking all-wheel drive and family because you described to us your family and the fact that your family is going to grow despite the fact your wife has a Chevy Equinox, the all-wheel drive, which is great. Mm -hmm. That's good. But I'm just wondering, 
might that come into play as your family grows? Congratulations, by the way. And uh, comfort, yeah. comfort for highway and something that is going to be not overspend that budget. I know, surprisingly, I'm not going to try to make you spend Who 400 you? a month and make up the difference. Go, <laughs> go, go find Paul because I want to do this this podcast with Paul. I'm I'm quite confused right now. I am his his doppelganger. <laughs> Uh, I've you always heard his... your doppelgangers on the other side of the planet, but I, I can't confirm that. Yeah. Who anyway. knows? Well, that's interesting. I actually I, – I really read into this his interest in some fun. And, you know, yeah, he's he's looking at big muscle cars, but I, I just read into this, okay, guys, I had this Honda Civic. That, that, let's be honest. The Honda Civic did everything that we're talking about. It was a commute car. It fit the budget. It could carry family stuff. And he just found it boring. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. That really made me go, I want to get you into something that you just enjoy driving because the pickup exists to do those kind of things when you need it. And be- because your your wife has something, there's there's opportunity here. And, uh, yeah, we, but, of course, we've got to fit the car seat, which is a big deal. So, okay. I um, I have a couple that are probably not expected, and then I have one that I think might be the answer. And I even have then a crazy wild card that only works if you force it. Yeah, I think so. I I don't know that any of these are right, but my brain was kind of all over. Where'd you go? Well, they've got an SUV and they've got a pickup truck. So the next Mm -hmm. one needs to be car, right? Mostly. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that Brad mentioned he's kind of a muscle car guy. He was looking for possibly a manual, but he's open to the automatic thing because of fuel mileage. And as long as they've got the paddles, he is fine with it. So I mm-hmm. thought, okay, a 2016 or a 2017 Dodge Charger, SXT all-wheel drive, that does have mm. the large muscle car type of feel, and they start at 31,000, which if you you know monthly payments, if you parse it out, would right you know be right in the 315, 320 a month, I think. It's got muscle car bones, but it's got all-wheel drive, and it does have the paddles with rev matching. The first blacktop yeah. edition that Todd and I drove, we were really pretty impressed with it. We came away impressed. And it's got the Uconnect that I like in my Jeep so much. I I really do. So I kind of went there thinking car, just road trip, commuter car, all-wheel drive. It's just car. You could really argue that it's not really that exciting. And mm-hmm. that's why I started to go move towards a little bit European in my A4 all-road suggestion, even though it is wagony. Mm. You could put parts of a dead moose in the back, not the whole animal. <laughs> but if you quarter it and drain the blood, you know, just lean it up against oh, the tree, man. then, you know, you can Yikes. put a leg in the back and, you know, maybe the head or something. I know this. My Yikes. family's done this in Alaska. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so I, I thought... do have to say that one of the most shocking pictures I have ever seen is your niece holding <laughs> just the head of a moose. It's one of those like optical illusion photos where you go, what's going on in that photo? And then it dawns on you. She's like cradling it like you would a child. And then you realize that's just a moose head and it's not attached to anything. <laughs> yeah, and then the photo was... gets really, really creepy. She was 16 when she got it and... Uh... Uh, you know, she's this waif-like thing, but she's got a tough Alaskan spirit in her, which I love. And uh... that it is—it's one of those optical illusion photos. That the longer you look at it, the worse it gets. Like, oh no, that's not right. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> so yeah, the 2014 Audi A4 All Road. I found one with 26,000 miles for right about 32,000. And again, wagon, but all-wheel drive, comfortable. It's getting more to the European thing. And then I just I kept morphing from there into a brand new Mazda CX-5, even though it's another SUV. The Grand Touring model is pretty nice, fully loaded. They're right about 30. And again, parsing that uh, that monthly payment out and just kind of doing some rough estimates, I'm trying to keep yeah. it in that monthly payment range. But the thing that is you know right between all of those is a Volvo XC60, and Volvos are never hmm. looked at as the well we're paying our guy too much or we're you know, it's it's a luxury vehicle. The seats are amazing. I just kept coming back to those seats in the Volvos for commuting. Yeah, You're spending yeah. so mm-hmm. much time. You've got to have good seats. And so I, I really looked to Volvo. I sat in the S90 at CES and just marveled at this car. It just hmm. – it kicks the BMW 750 in the teeth. It is so <laughs> well done. 
It really is. <laughs> the seats, everything. So, But Volvos aren't looked at as the luxury, wow, you're really making a boatload of money and, huh, you know, it's, hey, that's a great car and you're happy with it. And it's something different. And uh, I think that could be a good choice. Again, I have to keep in mind, you know, service and insurance and all that stuff. So I don't want to go yeah, yeah, too yeah. far into European car land, you know, other bigger Audis or, you know, BMWs. I, I could go there, but I just thought, well, you know, insurance, growing family, you're going to get muddy and dirty and, you know, yeah. kind of not care about it because it's the company car. But you got to have fun mm-hmm. with it, too, and you got to have something that's nice and, you uh, we could make a Camaro work, but again, I, I shied away from that, Brad, just because of your suggestion here. So I, I was thinking Moose Parts is really where my head was at. Moose Parts. That's really what that's, I was thinking. That's a, okay. that's a terrible folk band right there. There's an absolutely terrible folk band called Moose Parts. Ladies and gentlemen, Moose Parts. Anyway. What um, kind of music? And then the accordion, oh, you said it's and Then folk. the accordion starts. It's, it's nice. all bad, really. They, they do terrible, terrible work, and they come out in flannel. Anyway, um, yeah, okay. (laughs) I have to say for Brad, I mean, look, you're you're a Chevy guy. You're you're almost your entire car history has almost been uh, been Chevys, with very few exceptions. I I say take a serious look. You're already leaning that way. I don't want to lean you away from it. Take a serious look at the at the new Camaro, because every conversation about it, and we actually are planning to get into one at some point, 2017. That's one of our one of our shortlist cars, but. Everything that we know about that car is it has become even more sports car than the Mustang has, which is saying something because the Mustang has become quite an impressive sports car on all fronts. Since you're a Chevy guy, go drive the Camaro. Go take a serious look at it because if you drive it and you like it and it speaks to you, I think it's done. I think the problem's just solved. Uh, you've decided to accept rear-wheel drive. Let's just go there, get yourself some winter tires, embrace the fact you have a truck, so I think you need to take a serious look at that car and just it kind of embrace that interest that you already have. Then I have other options okay. for various reasons. All right. Just to get you away from that brand into something totally different that isn't really – I mean, I, all of the things I'm going to list will probably be a little bit more than your stipend, but not a ton more. Uh, so I, I'm the one that needs the limiter tonight, but – but here's Wait, the thing. so I, I was to... good. I I was mm-hmm. I behaved over here, and you're blowing you it out. You behaved, and I didn't. This isn't it amazing how uh-huh. we balance each other out? But yeah, exactly. But so it's a Todd limiter this evening, and I'm going <laughs> to blow through it anyway. But but here's the thing. I mean, the thing I keep reading here is that you have had a bunch of trucks, and you and you had this appliance Honda Civic you didn't like with your last company stipend. You want to have some fun. So I went, okay, let's get you new experiences that can be fun to drive, that still match everything else, but fun to drive. I think you need to go drive a BMW 2. Now, I don't know how easy they are to find. I don't know how what the service is like in your area. You're going to have to ask these questions. But go drive a BMW 2 Series because you can lease one of those for less than 400 You're thinking so 228 or 230i, the newer 230i, mm-hmm. I guess? Yep. Yep, that's exactly what I'm thinking. So go go drive one of those. I mean, even that base one, we, we tracked a BMW 228i. It's got that 8-speed. The paddles work well. It's the ZF 8-speed with paddles. It's, it's a genuinely fun car to drive. Get the M Sport package on it, and you would love that car anytime you get to hoon it. But it also is the base BMW, so it doesn't say, oh, we're paying him a ton. You bought the base BMW. And but yet it's got enough room in the back. You'll probably have to slide the passenger seat forward, but you can do a rear-facing child seat in there done sure finished yeah so i think you need to take a serious look at that car i think it is a real genuine contender for you going more into kind of utility and hatch world you could take a look at the mercedes gla oh gla right yeah exactly perfectly yes please brad do me a favor get a mercedes gla put moose parts in the back send us that photo we will try very hard to break the internet that is just whoever the mercedes ad agency is would die of a heart attack while seeing that photo okay they just they would they would realize that there is a segment of the population they never accounted for no uh, but the the gla especially to get it up into really hot versions becomes a genuinely hot car Okay, and in the base versions, it's still a kind of usable little small hatch. I mean, it's one of those weird doesn't fit in a category. It's not a full like CX-5 SUV, but it's also not really a hatchback. It's in that weird middle ground. But I think if you're interested at all, take a look at that car. Interiors are cool. They are pretty good dynamically. Take take a serious look. And then the other one, 
struck me because, uh, well, you're a you're a U.S. car guy, all-wheel drive, fun, family, uh, Focus RS. I mean, <laughs> I was I was I was driving through a snowstorm here just yesterday, and saw Ken Block in his here in Park City. It has been dumping snow. Yeah, his yeah. with the aftermarket wheels on it, but snow tires, the big Hoonigan thing that says across the dashboard. I mean, sorry, across the front windshield. I was like, oh, look, there's Ken Block. He's out in the middle of the worst weather on the planet just driving his Focus RS around because why wouldn't he be? Yeah, now, that's great. those cars, you're going you're gonna to have to pay full price for it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you have to add 150 maybe even 200 a month to your, to your stipend. I don't know if that takes it completely out of contention because you haven't told us if you're willing to add and how much you want to add. But I feel like that is a car that checks all the boxes because if it's a Focus RS and the kids get it dirty or you get moose parts on it, I love if we keep coming back to that, <laughs> it's a Ford, you're not going to worry about it. But yet you could hoon that car in all weather and never think twice And I also don't think it is – I mean, it's not as boy racer as an STI or an Evo. So if you wind up in a a company kind of situation, it's not – it doesn't shout itself too much. I mean, it's still shouty, but it doesn't shout itself too much. Get it in the black. It'll it'll blend a lot. And people aren't going to think, oh, we pay him a lot. It's it's a Ford. It's a little Ford hatchback. But, man, is it fun. I think that's a real contender. Um, And then I have a wild card that just may be too wild. Wow. I thought the RS was the wild card. No, the, the RS is only the wild card because I think he might not be able to afford it. I don't know what the extra money is, but I thought of a real, really weird wild card. And I'm going to get hate mail for what I'm about to say. <laughs> okay, uh-oh, uh-oh. And I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. <laughs> you need to check your – if you want to go this route, you need to check your actual Department of Transportation laws for your state. Because there's a common misconception about child seats. Uh, somebody right now has fingers poised over a keyboard to write me hate mail. I know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow that through anyway. I've, I've started down this road. The Department of Transportation can't actually require you to get a certain kind of car because you decided to procreate. True. There's a misconception that you have to have a back seat if you have a child. I'm super intrigued. Now, I will admit, Baited ears here. Baited breath. I, I, now, I will admit, I will admit it would be better. But I even looked it up in Utah as a parent and as a car enthusiast. The actual law in Utah states it is preferred for the child to be in the back seat if possible, which means right. I could actually put my son in the front seat legally. Now, I don't know if I did get in an argument with a police officer on the side of the road about that, but I could. The, the thing is, if you own a Miata and you have a child, you don't have to sell the Miata. There's no law that states that. You can have a two-seat car with a child seat in the passenger side. Now, what you really want is the ability to turn off the airbags on the passenger side. But there seems to be this, this impression kind of generally that if I have a child, I am required to not have a two-seat vehicle. You have a two-seat vehicle and a child, guess where the child goes? Passenger side. Bolted to so the trunk? So this is why this is my... Oh, was I wrong? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, wait. Hmm. But it's got a little windshield on it. Forget it. No, <laughs> Look the, at the cute so, helmet and everything. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now you get the hate mail. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. I, I'm going to say my wild card to you because you're a Chevy guy and you've thought about the Camaro and you're looking for fun. Get yourself a used Corvette. If you don't really? have to take your son often, get yourself a used Corvette. And enjoy that car. It has usability. You could almost put, I'm going to go there, moose parts in the hatch. The hatch of that car is huge. When you have to carry your son, you plug him into the passenger seat. Now, I, I, I will admit, I haven't looked this up. I don't know if you can turn off the passenger side airbags. Hopefully you can. But you can put him in the uh, rear-facing child seat in the passenger side. Yes, send me the hate mail. I'll read it all. But, um, but anyway, that is why that is my str- strange wild card. You could just jump right over Camaro, look at the used Corvette, I, I'm just saying, this is why it's wild card territory, and I'm out. For that price, you're thinking C6, I would imagine? Is that kind of where your head's Yeah, I don't think, I don't think uh, there's any other way. I think he's got to go C6. But if he's, you know, if he's ever thought about that, I, it's one of those things where if you're a Chevy guy, I think eventually you wind up thinking Corvette, so I'm bringing it up. Okay. I mean, winter tires do <clears throat> solve the equation. This coming from the mouth of a guy who hasn't bought winter tires for the Cayman. But they do change but, the game. I, I, yeah. Not taking my own medicine here. I admit that freely. They're expensive. So if you, you know, don't want to or, you know, for whatever reason, I'm talking myself but to he's a corner admitted, here. But I, I, he's admitted that he's up for it. And I yeah, do drive it, a sports car every day. Agreed. Rear wheel drive. Agreed. Winter tires. Let's go. 
I just got a really lovely image of the Focus RS, you know, with Blizzax on, sideways mm-hmm. drift through the snow, throwing mm-hmm. clean white rooster tails of fresh snow from yep. all the wheels. I mean, that's a cool image. I almost like it that is. better well, than Corvette. I see where you're going, but maybe that's down the road for Brad. Maybe it, it may be that I, I may be know. a bridge too far. That's why I'm calling it, that my wild card. I like the Focus RS best for him, but it may just be right out of the price point. But I do like that best because I think it stays American and it does everything he needs. But you know what? You can have new family traditions. My son and I now have one because again, like I said, it's Snowmageddon here in Utah. We have a parking lot near us, and every night I pick him up from whatever his event is. We go through this parking lot and just do random donuts and figure eights and that kind of thing. And he cackles, and so do I, honestly. He, <laughs> I was going to say. We're cackling together. Yeah, you're really yeah. having to, what drudgery he, he, to do that. He begins the cackling, and then I pick it up, and then we do it in stereo. But yeah, so so we've just been doing that. You can have a new family tradition with your young son. What'd you do today, uh, honey? I took our son and did donuts. Now, depending upon your wife's response, that might not go well. But my wife has gotten to the place where I say that, and she just looks at me silently and does that eye roll that only a wife can do and then shakes her head and then moves on. So it is our new family tradition. See, I like your GLA too there. Uh, I'm intrigued by the size where it's in the Mazda CX-5, CX-3, the Volvo XC60 Mm -hmm. size. And now, just like we talked about, the Cayenne Coupe. It just seems like those those size. Well, hear me out. That size is becoming so appealing that every car manufacturer yeah. has this to offer yeah. for these yeah. kinds of scenarios. Right. Like Brad, it's you know comfortable. It's still small enough. You know, can carry stuff. You know, of course, the Porsche price is going to be blown out of the water in comparison to everyone oh, else's yeah. car. But the, the, everybody has that here's size. The thing. Is the point for for our for our friend Brad? His three hundred and fifteen dollars stipend a month would go toward the options cost on the Porsche. Oh, you want the twenty inch? Wouldn't wheels. go for the car. That's three hundred fifteen dollars a month. It right just there. go for the options cost. I, I short of Ferrari, nobody does option markup like Porsche. It is shocking that they can put an entire extra nice cars cost on a Cayman. It's like here's your Cayman. Starts at fifty three grand. This one, as shown with options, is eighty five grand. It's like, what happened? Where did we go? <laughs> it's like when you go to the theater and I'll have the jumbo popcorn and the junior mints. That'll be eighty two fifty. What? Seriously? Where, it where is that the... kind of thing. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, we should move on to another car debate. Uh, we have one for our friend uh, Shane, but I do actually want to say uh, before that, thank you. Many of you have actually been adding your reviews to this podcast on iTunes and elsewhere and have been writing some reviews as well. And we really appreciate it. And it does help. In fact, I had somebody that wrote us just today. I read just today. They found the podcast because they saw it in the top 10 of automotive. And they said, I don't even look at anything that isn't already in the top 10. I figure if it's not in the top 10, it's not good enough to give it a shot. This is the reason they listen to this podcast. And you guys' rating is the reason it's in the top 10 and often in the top 5. So thank you for that. It makes a difference. People are finding it. And you and I were just talking before the podcast, Paul, about a new phenomenon, at least for you and me. And that is we have a lot of people that are with us as Everyday Driver brand now because they found the podcast first. Yeah. Which is kind of new for us. Right. But that's starting to happen more and more. And that is directly related to you guys rating and sharing. So thank you. Yeah, and agreed. I, I uh we're we're reading more emails just uh, of encouragement too, and uh it helps. So thank you all for the encouraging emails and you know, telling us where you came across stuff because it's always interesting for us to hear. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're shocked because, you know, first was the videos, then was the films, podcast is the third iteration of Everyday Driver. We're going to television mm-hmm. for the first quarter of <laughs> or second quarter of second 2017 quarter. and uh you know, it's it's sort of like to hear you found our podcast first and you didn't even know what we looked like. That's really weird to me. But okay, I'm yeah. going with it. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. It was really fascinating it's to read. It's very cool. Really yeah, cool. I agree. I agree. All right, Shane. Uh, <laughs> broken the rule. Just saying. The two-scroll rule, everyone. Oh, yes. It's long. And so I have summarized into bullet points here. But great story. I mean, I, I my heart went out to you here, Shane, because <laughs> you're you're – just you love cars. I mean, yeah. When people say, "Oh, you're I into cars," say. I say, "No, no, no, no. I'm not into cars. I'm a super freak." And, yeah. And they yeah, laugh yeah, yeah. nervously and sort of look at me like, "What are you really? What? What are yeah. you talking about?" But the thing about Shane, though, is this better be a good story. If you're going to write a novel, it better have a halfway decent plot. I mean, this <laughs> is a novel here. I, I I lose track. I mean, I practically get a hand cramp with the number of scrolls this email takes. But <laughs> Even it is. Better. But. 
seriously, but it but it it is interesting in here because uh, Shane's a guy that saves money like crazy. I'm not sure how you're doing this, and if you want to just make a random donation, I am accepting. But he saves <laughs> money like crazy, and he's shopping for. He'd actually like to get himself another car. But he already has a 2012 Evo GSR. It only has 27,000 miles on it. He keeps it pristine. It sounds like he keeps it in certified Paul-owned condition. Yes, he does. And he has this car. And so he's thinking, I love it, but a lot of the kind of normal driving, utility driving, commute driving, if you will, of it, it's, it's not a good car for that. And I agree, it's not. But it is an incredibly fun car. He has the ability to spend, you know, 70, 100 grand on a car. He's been saving like crazy. But then he personally, he's miserly by his own admission, and he doesn't. He's never spent more than forty grand on a car for himself. So there's this conundrum internally of I could spend that much, I don't want to spend that much, but I want fun. Do I get rid of the Evo? And then it's keep the email just starts tumbling on itself. Mm-hmm. It's like Alice down the rabbit hole, and and <laughs> and there's forty five different ways to look at this. So we got to pick a few of them up. Yeah, I'm glad that you gave us some options here, which I turned into bullet points. But as Todd said, I love your thrifty nature. I mean, Shane can save between seventy and hundred thousand dollars a year, just and you know, not including retirement savings, which is great. But as you said, he's never spent more than forty thousand on a car for himself, and I think just that new headspace and that new territory is. Mm-hmm. Kind of exciting and terrifying all at the same time. You could, yeah, it's definitely stretching. Yeah, could mm-hmm. very yeah. easily throw down here. And I, I uh, like I said, well, let's get to the options first. There are a, there are five options here that Shane gives us. <laughs> but chapter if you noticed, one, keep going. <laughs> chapter one. We haven't finished the introduction yet. I, I'm just no, still reading really the signed yeah. copy of the book that he gives us. Uh, (laughs) The hard copy is awesome. Really, he signed the back. Keep going. Yeah, go on. So, Shane, four of the five options that you have pointed out to us here begin with the words, sell the Evo, and then Mm -hmm. do something else, this other idea. Yep. Yep. You realize that. You've pointed out, sell the Evo and get a blank. Mm -hmm. Only one of these options indicate you keeping the Evo, building a carport, which would be about an extra ten grand to build, and buy yeah. something less expensive that would be a third car, and therefore you'd need a place to cover it. And mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. sort of like you have the idea, but every other paragraph you talk yourself out of the idea because I agree you'd I agree. be sort of bored mm-hmm. with it, and it just yeah, I'm hesitant, and I'm just not sure I'd really love it. Even though I like your idea, it'd be a convertible for both you and your wife to enjoy. You know, she'd get some enjoyment out of two. That'd be great. But it just seems like you almost need to give yourself permission to go spend more than 40K. It's, mm-hmm. It seems strange. Well, but you almost need to look yourself in the mirror and look yourself in the eye and say, you know what? I really do want that car. And I'm giving myself permission. I've got the money. I've done everything else right. I'm good friends. enough, smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. That's where we're headed. Uh, yeah, I knew I, there okay, was some levity going. in there somewhere. Uh. Yeah, well, but but here's the thing, Shane. You've also come to the right place. If you want somebody to justify hey, your ridiculous yes. car purchase, welcome to Todd and Paul and the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We can back your play. We we are anything but people that help you save money. That's not what we're here to do. We're, <laughs> we're here, definitely here to help you spend your money. And what's interesting is that Shane already has his eye on what he thinks is the perfect car. And then the breath after that, he goes, I can't spend that much. Right, right. He would like the current Porsche 911 C4S. So that's the 991.2 when they've gone turbo. So the brand new version, C4S, my friend... Welcome to a hundred thousand dollar car. I mean, we haven't even tried hard. Easy. We were just joking about Porsche extras, hundred grand, and we haven't even. I mean, we haven't even begun to go. Would you like painted vents with that, sir? So you know, I mean, wow, that is a big jump. I didn't go that far, but it gave me an idea. I agree with you, Paul. I mean, he's talking about he's young enough, he has the money. Should he actually splurge and get a car he loves? I say because this is what we do. Absolutely. But I don't think you have to go six figures. I don't. So that was kind of my headspace. And I'm actually going to say on this one, I have a sniper shot. Oh, do you? I love it when we have sniper shots. It's not often. I'm calling my play. 
I'm Are you really? Yep. Okay. And he's given – I mean, I want you to keep going through some of the other options he's presented. I want to hear what you've said. But I read through this a couple times, and then I, which took a while. I grew a beard. I, I did <laughs> broke it into chapters. I had a cup of hot coffee. It was great. No, but, and you but never drank coffee. Didn't. That's the funny part. Exactly. And then, and, then I, and then I suddenly went, you know what? I think I have the car. I'm going to call a sniper shot uh, in a minute. Yeah, keep going. Wow. All right. The options here, sell the Evo, buy the 991.2, the Carrera 4S. And Shane, you've indicated that you like the new turbo engine more than the naturally naturally aspirated 3.8. Okay, we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Sell the Evo and get a Volvo Polestar wagon and just forget about manual transmissions altogether. Sell the Evo and buy a Tesla Model S. The fourth Seeing one. A trend here. <laughs> fourth one is keep the Evo and do the the third car thing, as I mentioned. You know, build yeah. the carport yeah. and get a less expensive. A convertible, the Miata, the 124 Abarth, the Fiat, uh, the Miata yeah. RF. Yeah, something inexpensive but a nice a nice convertible that's just – nothing it exists for nothing but fun. Heck, you've even mentioned the new Boxster, the 718 Boxster yeah. S. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then M2. Sell the Evo, buy an M2, and do the winter tire thing. I, wow. Lots of good choices. Your wife has yeah. the 428i automatic. I'm going to just call you right out and say, forget the Volvo wagon, forget the Tesla. You, you're kind of needing a manual transmission car to scratch that itch. And it's got to be something manual. It really does. Mm -hmm. And so I present you with three options, and I love your Miata okay. RF idea. The Evo that is, is great. One, yes. Although, Shane, I don't think the Evo that you have, I don't think any of the Evos are going to increase in value like you think they will. I looked up your car. The 2012 Evo GSR is worth between twenty-four and twenty-seven thousand dollars as it is. I okay. just—they're awesome. They're fun to drive. All that stuff, but they're—I don't think anybody has said of a Mitsubishi this is going to go up in value. I just hate to tell mm, you. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, you could you could keep it and just keep enjoying it, and you know, add the Miata RF. That's a unique car and still you know yeah. well yeah. under forty, I believe that will, you know, solve things. But then you have to start projecting. If you've saved up your money enough and you've, you're just dreaming about it, you're dreaming about Porsches, and you haven't yet given yourself the permission, I say mm -hmm. sell the Evo to Todd. That way you keep it in the everyday driver family. <laughs> You'll know where it went. Oh, oh, you might even see it on camera. I love how I got camera. roped into this. There you go. Todd would love it. I love how love I it. got roped in. <laughs> now suddenly the car debate is sell your car to us. That's a frightening, <laughs> frightening thought. Keep going. Todd will love it. He'll sell the I FRS. That's true. He'll bomb around Park City in this thing, and you'll just have a mm -hmm. warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart knowing where it went. It went to true car enthusiasts. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And therefore, uh, I am giving you permission to buy the Porsche 911. You know I had to, but I'm not yeah, going to go for the Carrera 4S. I'm going to go even more specific because there's something that okay. stood out. And you said, I want this car, something, something to be that I love in five years from now. That I, mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. it begs the question. This is a whole other discussion. When you park your car and you walk away, do you turn around and look back? Yeah. I want to know how many how right. many of you do that because I admit to doing that, especially with the Cayman, and I set the alarm and I look back. And my dad's always yeah. told me like, "You can't look back, you can't do that." And I just say, "Ah, I'm just I'm thinking about it." So the car <laughs> yeah. that will yeah, make yeah. you turn around and look back at it five years from now, I mm -hmm. do believe is a 2014 or 2015 991 Carrera two or four GTS. So that came in rear-wheel drive or all-wheel huh. drive. That's the naturally okay. aspirated engine. And I know you love the turbo. You're already addicted to turbos because of that Evo. But I will say, go drive the naturally aspirated version of that car in the GTS form. And that's what attracted mm -hmm. me to the GTS models because they're a balance between the, the GT3 and the S. It's livable, but there's still some sport buried way at the end of the tack needle. And that yeah. that car yeah. makes power differently. It really does. It makes more power. That's uh, that year was up to almost 430 horsepower. Really, the last of the naturally aspirated cars. And if we are talking mm -hmm. about something that will increase in value, I think it's going to be that one. Maybe not a lot. Interesting. But Interesting. The, the 14 or 15 991 Carrera GTS in manual. Hmm. 
they're hard to find because as soon as those two cars were over, of course, we got the turbo engine. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. yes, you're still in the six figures, but I found a brand new 2015, 800 miles on it for 112. That's not 160. Hmm. It's not 140. I know we're at the end of yeah. of buying that most people will never be able to afford. I hope I'm able to afford something like that. But man, hmm. I just think if you're going to get something special and spend your money and like it five years from now, it's got to be really specific. And that would yeah. do it for me. I hear that. So okay. not the generic plebeian everybody has the Carrera 4S, right? The Carrera yeah. GTS and those two model years. <laughs> I right? love that you end up pushing the GTS. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, All right. I mean, maybe I'm a complete foregone conclusion. And then one more. If we leave Porsche behind and you want just, I can't believe I own this car. And okay. it's a special, amazing car, probably just under 100K, cheaper than the Porsche. 2012 right. or 2013 Audi R8 with a manual transmission. Mm, I wondered if you might go there. Gorgeous V8. You said you have a long, steep driveway, all-wheel drive. Throw Blizzux on that baby and just yes. go laugh yourself to death. I mean... That's a car I would drive year-round. Wow. Audi R8, bring that on. <laughs> yes, you're right. He could he could get himself one of those and have a blast. I mean, the only problem he said, and of course we just talked about this, he does have a six-year-old that he every now and then has to drive around, but we right. just talked about the fact you could technically put that in the front seat. You just could yep. have your child in the front After seat. After our discussion, so, exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's not quite the mic drop right there because your suggestion might blow all these out of the water, but I'll I'll... I'm curious where. Well, I mean, where did I, you go? I like I like your recommendations, and I actually like that he is is he keeps circling a couple times in this email because there's room there's there's real estate. A couple times in this email, he talks <laughs> about the M2 and is really curious about it. I mean, back seats, uh, rear wheel drive. He he, you clearly like turbo <clears throat> punch. You've you've circled a lot of good ideas here. Where I went for you financially is okay. You've never spent more than forty. You could spend as much as a hundred. So I just kind of cordoned myself into about 65, 70 grand and just went, where can we work with there? Okay. Fair enough. Because it's a good amount of money, but we didn't blow out the, the top end of the budget. If you really can save as much as 70 grand a year and you're putting that amount away, then you could get this car paid off in a year. So try to think about something on the back end of depreciation curve. But the thing that struck me all of a sudden while reading this email is he really, I mean, as much as it goes around and around, the truth is, Shane, you want the 911. I mean, as much as we tease Paul about picking a Porsche, your whole email, as long as it is, keeps coming back to, I want the 911. <laughs> it does. It does. So, all right, I'll follow the trend. But Shane's worried about New England winners. He's worrying about, I want to have a stick shift. I want to have all-wheel drive. I'd like to put my, my child in the back. Uh, I really like the turbos. And I suddenly went, wait, stop. Seventy grand, go shopping. Get yourself a nine nine seven generation nine eleven turbo. That's my sniper shot. Mm. Great six speed in mm. that car. In fact, I would say that six speed in that car is better than the seven speed they put in the nine eleven now. Fantastic six speed, amazing power. The turbo is all wheel drive. You do have a back seat. Those cars are on the back end of their depreciation curve. With sixty to eighty grand in your pocket, you have choice. And they're that's, not like high miles cars. That's true. I've looked, everyone. You've done, <laughs> that's you've true. Done, so you've done the 911. You've, you've scratched the 911 itch. You've got a great car that you could drive year-round. I would drive that car year-round and never even blink. I've seen them driven year-round here in Park City. I love the way that 997 Turbo looks. It looks mean. Yeah, and it's it a does. little bit smaller than the 991. And I've said it other times. I like the little bit smaller. I, that is my sniper shot for you, man. Go get yourself a 997 Turbo with a six-speed and be done. And that car was at the end of its development, so everything was very well sorted before they moved to the new platform, the 991 platform. So as you're saying, yeah. the six-speed was just sorted, the chassis, everything. Not that other cars weren't, of course, but you know what I mean. Everything, just any mm -hmm. more development that they do. Because surprise, everyone, throughout the lifetime of a car, as you probably know, development continues. Like on yeah. – you know, just because it is on the market and in the showroom, they're, they're still refining things, which is why Absolutely. the yeah. 2017 model is different switch gear than the 16 or whatever. Slightly, yeah. slightly different tweaks and improvements. And Porsche is no different, and they they really refined that car to the very end. And I, I keep coming back to the seventy grand, huh? 
I could have a twin mm-hmm. turbo 997. Are you kidding me? Yeah, madness, madness. And here's the thing: if you go before the 09, you may still you're gonna have to check it, check the the VIN numbers and all that kind of madness. But I, I forget it's somewhere around 09, isn't it, Paul? Where the IMS quits quits being an issue. So if you get one before that, you may have the IMS concern. That's probably less than 10 percent of all the vehicles that had that potential problem. Less than 10 percent have been affected. There is a fix. So don't shy away from one just because it might have an IMS issue. But again, after 09, I believe it is, that ceases to be an issue. I'm, I'm saying, I'm just staying right there. 997 Turbo, allow yourself a 911 without spending hundred grand and have a car you'd love. Well, yes. And on those turbo engines, those are actually a different engine block than the regular Carrera S. And oh, okay. so the IMS is irrelevant. It's not even a worry. They're actually a different well, engine if it's hard to believe. Uh, okay, so well, yeah, you know, I keep learning. So there you go. Yeah. Okay, good. So there. So uh, even more problems. I'm staying there even more now. I'm even happier with my choice. <laughs> okay, we have to come back to Porsches every once in a while, and you know, well, swirl but, the water. But, and, I mean, you know, <laughs> we didn't we didn't have somebody that rode in looking for a Chevy, and we just sold him a Porsche. True. Shane wants a 911. True. He wants yeah. as much as 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 much of a book as he sent. The headline should have just been "Why I Want a 911." Should have been the title of the hardback, and we would have been done. <laughs> but anyway, I love that. Let's do some questions. Eric Markstrom on Facebook asks us, "What is our favorite road trip food?" And I'm going to go with cereal, <laughs> like dry cereal. Of course, I love cereal really? to begin with. I I, uh, I grew up freezing my cereal bowls and i know it sounds weird but it keeps the milk cold for the entire time you're eating your cereal it's the best and folks, so i went with dried cereal like folks i i i don't have the time <laughs> to properly express to you the procedures that my friend Paul has for cereal. There is freezing. There is layering. Oh, yes. There is a specific strategy by which you make the perfect bowl of cereal. This. I always thought, oh, look, it's got marshmallows. This was really my decision process for cereal whenever I ate cereal. My son has carried this on. Oh, look, it has marshmallows. But for Paul, there's a whole procedure. It is quite immense. And if he could somehow figure out how to have the perfect bowl of cereal while sitting in his perfectly manicured car while wearing Porsche clothing, I think the world would just fold in on itself. I'd, just, so, um, I'd die. It'd be the yeah. most amazing Yeah, that, that, that would really be thing. the end right there. But – Okay, cereal. Um, yeah, like the shredded yeah. mini wheats, or you know, granola, or something like that. <laughs> Munchy, love it. I I eat like a ten year old, and I almost am the father of a ten year old. At some point soon, my <laughs> seven year old son's uh, palate is actually going to surpass my own. Uh, yeah, he's going to be a much more sophisticated eater than I am. Um, but uh, I, I have to say, I am a sucker for just chocolate. I just I like to eat chocolate on a road trip. And my problem is, I'll stop every time I see a gas station to be like, I should get more chocolate. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that uh, that that needs to yeah. You've it's seen true. it. We we're on a shoot in the middle of nowhere. The first time we see a, a place to stop and get any kind of munchies, I go in, I get a bottle of water and a big thing of chocolate. Everyone's like, uh huh. Todd's shopping for chocolate again. <laughs> we're in Germany yeah. on road tips where the the roadside yeah, stations are right. really clean and beautiful. And huh, I wonder if they have German chocolate. Huh. Yeah. Go and find well, out. that's the thing. The, Ger- the German the German roadside things have got all kinds of really nice food, too. I'm still buying a chocolate bar. It just <laughs> happens that way. It just does. <laughs> oh, so funny. And then you leave your Todd pellets behind, the little wrappers, you know, when you fold up the little mm-hmm. foil wrapper. Those are yeah. Todd pellets, uh-huh. everyone. It's just yeah, there the, you go. The chocolate wrapper. Yeah, we're, we're, we're picking at each other tonight. <laughs> I have one from Instagram. Uh, Thomas Schall wrote in and said, I feel like in recent years the amount of, of production cars – the amount of power in production cars has gone up tremendously. He's asking, do we think there's a limit for cars power-wise? <clears throat> this is an interesting question because I think there's, there's two sides of it. Side one is power just sells. You just get to say that this version has more power than the last version, and that sells to people. Once we reach an autonomous pod world, it won't matter anymore, but it's a thing that sells. I mean, you're honestly, Camrys, Corollas, Car Altimas, cars that you don't think are enthusiast cars, still push the fact that this car is A, more efficient, and B, more powerful than the last version. So there is a marketing reason to have a more powerful car. But I honestly believe that after about 400, 450 horsepower, it's kind of irrelevant usability-wise. 
I love yeah. a 450 horsepower car. I'll give you a great example. The the current C7 Corvette has about 450 horsepower. <laughs> and it's That car usable. feels amazing. Yeah, it does. That, that, yeah, exactly. You can put it down. That car feels amazing. You're never driving a C7 Corvette and thinking, you know what this needs? This needs more power. So once you get to the 600-something horsepower uh, big boy, Z06s, or the 700 horsepower Hellcat. I drove that for a week. If I wasn't hooning it for camera, I was using 10% of the throttle. But 400, well, 450 horsepower is genuinely usable and crazy fast and fun. I feel like that is the place where it's about perfect. And then beyond that, gets nuts, but I don't think it's usable. That 10% comment that you mentioned, I agree. I mean, even if you have a Tesla Model S, and you know, when you get done doing the ludicrous mode for all your friends... When you're just driving it, you're using 10, 20% of the power, maybe on the on-ramp, yeah. okay, yeah. here and there. But mm-hmm. then you're just thinking range at that point. You're not just yeah. burning up the power yeah. unless that's really what you want to do. And those things have gobs of power, six, 700 horsepower now. And I yeah, think, absolutely. all right, you know, with the advent of electric cars and the more manufacturers that pile on with electric cars, I do think we're going to see horsepower increases. I mean, you know – with electric cars, yes. With the internal combustion engine, there's that balance. That's why everybody's gone to turbocharging and smaller displacement mm, engines mm, sure. to yeah, increase yeah. that power that everybody loves, as you said, the power cells, but still get the mileage, the, the MPG that we all crave. Not everybody's able to afford an electric car at this point. And so yeah, let's, yeah. you know, what's that balance? I'm just shocked that Camrys have as much as they do. You think that's mm-hmm. that's more than that's almost as much as a Ferrari 355 had, which was like maybe just a hundred more. But Camrys will sort of kind of scare a 355 now. Not quite, but you know they've got a lot of power. Hondas, the yeah. the fully loaded well, Accord coupes. You know the the Accords wow. and the Camrys are dealing in nearly 300 horsepower. Uh, it's just that's insane. I mean, look, it, it's fine. I don't have a problem with them having it. But the, but my counterpoint question is, why do they need that? Why does your front-wheel drive random family sedan need almost 300 horsepower? It doesn't, but it does sell. But after after 400 horsepower, 450 rear-wheel drive now, you're just you're not using it 90% yeah. of the time. So yeah. why is it there? That's what I, I – I'm sorry I'm going to beat the drum for the FRS again. It is something I love about the FRSs or the Miatas or even, honestly, Lotus Elise. All these small cars I like, the common thread in all of them is you will have multiple times while driving it where you just think, I'm going to floorboard it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. If, if you're going to do that in your Hellcat, you better have just like the 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 plains of Moab at your disposal. Because <laughs> if, if if you're if you're floorboarded for more than a couple of seconds, you're doing massively into triple digits. Yeah. So yeah. When, when are you using that? That ties into Antonio's question here on Twitter about boring cars like the Camry getting radical designs increasingly. So mm-hmm. when are we yeah. going to start seeing cars dialing it back? Maybe more and more radical because, you know, on uh, on those economical cars, I think car manufacturers know they're making boring products. And Nate, we're, you know, calling you and your Versa out. <laughs> uh, friend of the show, yeah. Nate, has a Versa. He's currently renting a Versa and just is beside himself with why does this car exist kinds of thoughts. <laughs> and uh, it's not interesting to look at. It's not interesting to drive. And those cars have to kind of shout and stand out because mm-hmm. they don't really deliver on the luxury items and the power and all those stuff, all those things. So what can they deliver on? Styling, amazing styling, which is subjective well, at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but everybody is trying to do something that is a little bit polarizing so they can stand out. I mean, you see that beginning with the Predator Maw on the Lexus. I mean, that was certainly a turn underneath the Toyota banner. It does of, Let's stand just make out. something that people <laughs> – exactly. Let's just make something that people go, oh, my gosh, what is that? And, and honestly, it's weird. It's almost like a lot of these manufacturers are going for that response that is the, that's a Camry? It's that yeah, response. Yeah. That's not necessarily a good response, depending upon who's saying it. But instead of just being like, yeah, you got a Camry, fine. It's got leather and it's got all that. I mean, I've known people that have owned Camrys. And when they give me the reason why, it's because of the value for money. All of the stuff and tech and things that are in there. And it gets good gas mileage. And I get it. But nobody ever goes, because it looks crazy and awesome and sexy. Mm-hmm. Well, now this new Camry design, somebody's going to say that about it. 
I just don't understand why it has massive brake ducts. But anyway, uh, so, you know, but, but you'll have that person will be like, that's a Camry? Mm-hmm. And be shocked, and maybe that's the right response. Maybe they're wanting that. I don't get it, but there it is. I'm just wondering if clean sheet metal, clean designs are really now going to start standing out. You know, the, the classic front engine mm-hmm. 2 plus 2, well, not 2 plus 2, but the two-seater Roadster shape, yeah. you know, like an S2000. I wonder if those are going to start standing out just, wow, that's clean, uncluttered. This, yeah, My eyes aren't point. so busy looking at everything on this car. It's just, it's almost yeah, a relief yeah. to look at this car. But it just depends. Yeah. It can't be a Versa. Because it's not a relief to look at verses. <laughs> that does not relieve me. Well, we should we should tell Nate's whole story. Nate actually owns an FRS, and an FRS that's really set up for track use. We, he was at our Chicago, <laughs> Chicago Track Day last year. Good friend of the show. We actually got to drive his car when we were done. Drive. It's almost like his car in the in the best way possible was like the 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 salve after the caterum. We both drove the caterum. <laughs> yeah. And we wanted more track time, and Nate was done for the day, and he let us drive his car, which, you know, it's an FRS. We both thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was a car that wasn't quite as hair on fire nuts as that Caterham was. Unfortunately, he got hit in traffic, and his FRS might be dead. But while that's being figured out, his rental is a Versa. So <laughs> poor guy has gone from an FRS he loved to a Versa, and he's just – He's almost beating his head against the steering wheel trying to figure out why, God, why does this car exist? <laughs> so I'm sorry, Nate, genuinely, but I had to tell your story a bit. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, well, I mean, not awesome that it happened, Nate, but, you know. The, the but we're laughing at you. Let's be honest. Endless we are laughing stream at of commentary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Greg, Greg wrote in on Facebook and asked an interesting question I wanted us both to, to beat up on a bit. And it relates to something somebody else asked, which was about karting. Greg asked, how would you guys introduce a novice to enthusiast driving? I'm going to say the first obvious thing, and I don't mean this to be tacky. Make sure that person wants to be an enthusiast driver. Don't don't take out your wife, girlfriend, or random friend who doesn't know about cars and be like, let me show you what driving is about. That probably won't go well. So if what you're talking about is somebody you know who uh, they're a new driver or they've just gotten into cars, they want to learn that kind of driving, that it may sound obvious, but that is step one. Make sure they're very intrigued and exciting and asking you this question. And then I would say karting. Take them to like a K1 speed electric karting that's indoor, straightforward. Karting is great because you can push really hard and it's low risk. And then after that, I would say figure out a local autocross and go. It's a great idea. I, I like the karting thing because uh, all the dynamics of what we talk about are so amplified we we're able to dice the onion pretty thinly when we talk about the yeah, dynamics yeah. of a particular car on a track or a road, but it's amplified in a cart because no suspension and you know mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. steering is so direct and all those kinds of feelings that you that you really quickly understand that I can hold speed through this corner if I'm just you know I take it like this and I swing wider and I you know follow the yeah, race line yeah, yeah. and these kinds of things. I think the instruction is so much easier and, you know, following a leader like that and then graduate to something like an autocross, eventually a track driving school, something like that, or mm-hmm. a pro instructor at a high-performance driving event. But I love your K1 Speed idea. That was – I mean, they're, they but, seem I mean, to be you're, growing if, if you're at, as well. If you're at ground level, haven't done any enthusiast driving at all, ground level, the, the thing about the, the karting and the autocross in both cases is it's remarkably safe for what you're doing. You know, I I could say, you know, take them on a good canyon road, but there's so many unknown variables there, and it can go so very wrong so very easily if you genuinely start to push. The great thing about an autocross is have them take whatever car they have access to. Because one of the things that I've discovered as we've done this show and we've exposed people that haven't really ever pushed a car. I mean, I've had this happen with my father and other people that I know. A lot of people, if you haven't done enthusiast driving, don't realize how capable just a random everyday car can be. Take your Camry and surprise yourself. Watch our Honda Accord Coupe review. Cars that you don't think, wow, that's a capable car, the average person takes that and has never driven in anger, so to speak. Take that to an autocross and surprise yourself with whatever they daily drive. Have them take that to an autocross, and I think they'll come come away surprised. And then you can see where does it go from there, and it may go great places. Who knows? Yep, agreed. Kevin Kelly writes to us on Facebook about uh, a question here. He said, if you could have a lunch with any automotive manufacturing executive, who would it be? 
And Kevin, my brain, okay. my brain immediately leaped to Bob Lutz, but I thought that was too Funny. much of a foregone conclusion. I thought, all right, as good of a guy as he is and as much of a disruptor as he was in his career, and he's got great insights. I've read his books. I respect him tremendously. But then I think I want to go the opposite direction, and I think it would probably be some of the executives who are disrupting the industry with – their electric car companies. And I'm not even talking mm. Tesla. Mm. I'm talking YT, the billionaire hoodie idol that <laughs> guy that uh, So YT, tell me about the hoodie. Tell me more about the a hoodie. hoodie. Really? Your cars well, are great and all, but yeah. tell me about the hoodie. I mean something like uh the Lucid Air, that car intrigues me. I'd like to hear about okay. companies that don't have manufacturing infrastructure and what's rattling around in their heads. And how mm, they're looking mm. at the car industry because we all know it. We love it. We know you know manufacturing and I say that generally speaking. We know the gas and oil parts of it. We know what we love. But how are the disruptors yeah, yeah. looking at us, the enthusiasts, and how are you going to satisfy our needs and our wants and desires mm. in the marketplace? Mm. Because the FF91, as fast and amazing and range and coolness as it is, that doesn't solve it canyon carving, take it out on Saturday for no reason kind of car. True, so true, true, yeah. What are you thinking? What? Where do you see the market going? What is an enthusiast car in the future? And just talk. Let me hear, you know, what's uh, what's in your head. Hmm. That, that would be mine. Interesting. Interesting. I, um, mine is going to seem obvious, but the problem with my obvious one is I don't think I could have the conversation I want. And that is Elon Musk, hmm. but I I would love to have a conversation with him that is beyond the PR and the I'm a genius and the, the mystique, hmm. and I would love to hear from him, tell me what your perfect transportation world looks like. Not <laughs> might not for, involve for, cars. For, <laughs> exactly. Forget that you would make a Tesla. Just in your mind, the world should move about how. I don't necessarily expect I would even agree with him, but I would just I, – I, I feel anytime he does stuff, I feel like there is a larger play, and I, I want to understand in his mind what's this supposed to be. Hmm, I think that would be fascinating. Um, I don't think that I would necessarily agree with the answers, and I also don't think I would get an answer beyond the PR stuff. That's the problem with this conversation. But it would be interesting, I feel like, to understand the – if it, if – it all came true, Elon. It all came true to exactly what you'd like to have. What does that look like? I'm guessing levels of trust would have to be achieved before he'd break down with anybody like that, you or anyone. Oh, I, I don't know that he does with anybody. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just, you know, if we're, if we're doing pie in the sky stuff, that'd be the question I'd ask because I'd be really intrigued, you know. Hmm, right. Um, but anyway. Well, wow, we have another long podcast way past an hour. We probably should, I don't know, stop talking maybe. <laughs> Great questions as always, everyone. This is just amazing. And uh, if you had not caught that, we uh, we asked for questions from you on Facebook, but we're including that and expanding that to Instagram and Twitter as well. So we'll post mm -hmm. those up and uh, Chance will post for us on Instagram. And uh, yeah, just what's on your mind. If you have a car debate of your own, write to us on the website or everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Speaking of TV, yes. we're going to TV. We're excited. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be. We still uh, have actually a little bit of sponsorship uh, spots available if you, I mean, we're, yes. we're, the, the train is moving, but if you have a 30 second commercial for your company or some company that you know that you'd like to get on Velocity Channel uh, associated with our. Uh, with our show, then we'd love to have that conversation. You can find info, contact info about that under the About tab of our website. But we are busily figuring out all of the TV things, of which there is much to do because second quarter is going to come, yeah, pretty quick. Yeah, it is screaming at us. Well, anyway, happy Friday, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And as always, cheers. <laughs>